there's only one system of medicine and that's it because that's what that letter was saying it's like saying there's only one system of medicine i'm like hey well the only reason we're registered is because we practice a particular system of medicine like what about acknowledging that i've never received any email or letter from ARPRA or from China's Medicine Board telling me how I need to um, have my own healthcare taken care of. I've never received anything like that. Never received a letter saying I need to have a flu vaccination. And granted, look, we've never had a pandemic before. <laughs> That's also true. But I've never had them try to interfere in my personal health and up till now. And now there's this letter saying, um, we're urging you to get the vaccination for the good of society, for the good of humanity. And I continue to practice Chinese medicine for the good of humanity, for the good of society. Um, there's lots of things I could be doing with my life that would make much more money than Chinese medicine. I'm not in this industry for money. I'm in this industry because I love Chinese medicine. Are we... Are we just slowly letting our system be eroded? That's that was the that's the concern that I have. Hi, welcome back to the Chinese Medicine Podcast. My name is Marie Hopkinson. I'm a herbalist and an acupuncturist, and today we're going to be discussing why are we using Western medicine parameters to measure Chinese medicine. This is part two, and this is a super important discussion I wanted to have. Um, things I want to talk about in this episode are um, why this is a problem not just for what we're facing now, but going forward for those future issues um, and why it's difficult to measure Chinese medicine with Chinese medicine for people that aren't aware of that. The primary audience for this is patients, right? People that go to, go to practitioners and you just want your everyday health concerns kind of taken care of in a Chinese medicine way, let's say. Um, and maybe you're not too interested in these issues per se. I have a lot of students that listen to this podcast, so I understand if this episode's not for you, that's fine. Um, you can skip on to something a bit more <laughs> lighthearted. Um, but this is really important because I don't think the way that Chinese medicine registration has occurred in Australia, it hasn't embraced what Chinese medicine is. And it's only been in the last few years that I've kind of come to that conclusion and that realization and as a practitioner and also a person that's just super busy getting on with stuff that I do right you know like if, like all of us um, I don't sit there and contemplate the wonders of opera every day um, or the unwonders of opera you just get on with it and you just think okay this is one little thing that's changed we'll just get on with it we'll work our way around it um, we'll just work with it we just have to you know have to go follow along but it's recently when um, it was probably recently this year where I got a letter from APRA about um, the vaccine mandate issue, let's just call it that or whatever. Um, it's a public document and anyone can read that document that was sent out to all reg regulated health practitioners. And the gist of the letter was basically like, okay, we've obviously got the virus happening, which is, you know, everyone knows that. Um, at the start of the pandemic, 20, at the start of 2020, we were sent two or three letters from our board, Chinese Medicine Board, um, saying that, you know, we are part of the frontline workers team and Australia's mobilising a health response, doing everything we can. Thanks for your efforts. Lots of practitioners were kind of in a really big conundrum, especially 
um, at the very start where it was more of a federal response um, because they didn't know whether to open or close their business. They weren't told they had to close, especially in Perth where I am. We just didn't know. There was lots of things we didn't know. Anyway, so they have had some involvement in this issue, but nothing until now. And I've never received any email or letter from ArtPro or from China's Medicine Board telling me how I need to um, have my own health care taken care of. I've never received anything like that. Never received a letter saying I need to have a flu vaccination. And granted, look, we've never had a pandemic before. <laughs> That's also true. But I've never had them try to interfere in my personal health, in my personal medicine. Um, and up till now, and now there's this letter saying um, we're urging you to get the vaccination for the good of society, for the good of humanity. And I continue to practice Chinese medicine for the good of humanity, for the good of society. Um, there's lots of things I could be doing with my life that would make much more money than Chinese medicine. I'm not in this industry for money. In this industry, because I love Chinese medicine, sort of came into my life at a very early age, not early as in youngster, but when I was a teenager, started getting a little bit interested in it, you know, when I finished high school and that's how I started studying it and I just have loved it ever since. It just, it just makes sense to me. Um, and that's ever since I've needed any kind of healthcare since I've known about Chinese medicine. I've always used Chinese medicine because I practice it, I know how it works, I understand it. Um, I like to experience it firsthand. I don't like getting sick with the flu. Um, I don't think anyone does. I don't like the feeling of being sick. But I welcome the opportunity to use the herbs on myself or to use the acupuncture on myself. Um, you know, if you can't use it on yourself first um, or you're not willing to, then that's kind of saying something about the the medicine that you practice, any kind of medicine, right? So I guess I thought, what should I say about this? Because there's obviously a lot of censorship, not just from um, uh, our board and our regulators in Australia, but there's a lot of censorship just even online. That's a different kind of censorship. Um, but in our profession, we're kind of facing this conundrum now. And this is the first thing that's ever been presented to us as a profession. So this is kind of, this episode is really a wake-up call to other pr practitioners in Australia, if you're listening to this, to think, well, what's next? <laughs> if we accept this, what's next? And not by, I mean, by accept the vaccination, because that's up to you as an individual. I fully believe in the four principles of medicine, which is autonomy, non-malfeasance, beneficence, and justice. Those four ethical principles, we have to uphold those things, right? Um, and so I respect anyone who decides that they want to take um, whatever kind of medicine they want to take, but at all practitioners and all providers of medicine have to provide enough information so that people can be satisfied in um, their um, ability to exercise their autonomy. So they need to have what they call informed consent. So I did an episode on that recently 
on the YouTube channel. I'll probably pop it on the audio as well. Um, so this is a um, uh, by no means like an anti-vaccination message or anything like that. It's more a wake-up call to our profession. That's what that letter was to say um, they're not like the board isn't standing up for us within APRA to say, hey, Chinese medicine practitioners have their own system of medicine. And I was kind of aware of that at the start of this pandemic. I wrote a letter to the head of the CMBA um, expressing my concern um, at the start, and I did get a reply back. Um, and it was a very um, political reply, let's just say like that. You know, it was sort of saying, we've received your inquiry, Marie. <laughs> We're not going to do anything about it. And I was basically saying, hey, this is a chance for the board to bring our profession together in unity, because there's a lot of disunity in Chinese medicine in Australia. I'm not sure about other countries. Um, and there was no support for our profession, and there was no uh, nothing. Um, there was there was nothing said about how Chinese medicine might be utilised, even in the treatment of um, you know patients who was but you know potentially suffering. So, because when this all started, we didn't know what it was going to be like. No one really knew. Um, you know, are there, were there going to be people overflowing the hospitals? We were told, you know, we need to do all these things to flatten the curve as per every country. And it's been great that we haven't had that many cases in Australia. But at the start, we didn't know. And there's lots of things that Chinese medicine could have potentially done to help ease people's suffering um, or ease people's pain or, um, you know, help in uh, mobilising their immune system. Um, but none of that was mentioned. None of that was, so, like, there was no support by our board about our system of medicine. Um, even though there's a huge history of Chinese medicine um, in the treatment of um, cold and flu symptoms. And so even though this is a new virus, even though we don't know where it came from, you know, even though we don't know whether it was, a, you know, is it a man-made virus and we've never treated it before, we can still treat symptoms that's what chinese medicine practitioners do like we we've never treated viruses um you know i don't ever give a patient a virus test and then give them the herbs for that virus we never do it like that for years thousands <laughs> literally thousands of years chinese medicine's been treating cough um chest infection kind of symptoms but we don't diagnose them as a chest infection we might say, oh, you've got, you know, different patterns of disharmony, you know, causing these things. And anyway, there's thousands and thousands of years of history there that could have been utilised, um, but not just utilised, acknowledged. And there was no acknowledgement from that. And so that was my first tip off last year when we just didn't get the acknowledgement from that. And we were kind of all told that, hey, people are busy. Uh, people are, <laughs> can't can't meet together face to face, and so the functions of the board will be different to how they were before, and all that kind of stuff. And people are just busy as we are getting on with our stuff. And now, look, some of that busyness has faded away, and that's why I'm making this episode to kind of say, hey, um, are we just allowing our profession to be kind of eroded by these by these things? I can understand the need for APRA to regulate um, you know, how health services are, are practised 
um, from a safety perspective and things like that. Like, you know, I mentioned in the previous episode, like some of the good stuff that's happened is, you know, there was just so much disparity between how people were labelling their herbs and, um, you know, whether they got labels on them or not at all in some cases. Um, the practice of, like, safe procedures um, in terms of, like, um, you know, if, if a patient um, had a bleeding procedure done with acupuncture, let's say, so if you've ever gone to an acupuncturist and they've used a, an acupuncture needle, then blood can come out of the body, right? So what do you do in that situation? There should be some uniformity in there. There should be regulation in those cases and on how um, body waste and <laughs> those things are handled. For sure, not saying we shouldn't have that, but um, to have no acknowledgement um, of that our system of medicine is entirely, not a little bit different, but entirely different to Western medicine um, is kind of going to be a problem. So it was the second tip off was probably me then thinking about this and thinking back onto, hey, why, why, why is our advertising regulations based purely on Western medicine parameters and nothing, no acknowledgement given to Chinese medicine parameters at all? Um, it's very hard to acknowledge things with Western medicine parameters. Um, and so that kind of, um, you know, that can be a big, a big, uh, a big issue for us. And that is within the context of conditions treated, so advertising about conditions treated. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to say. And I think why we need to stand up for this now is because we have to think, well, where, if we accept these things, where does it go? Um, do we want Chinese medicine to become just a mishmash within Western medicine? Or, you know, are we, um, are we, uh, you know, are we losing our unique ability to do what we do by accepting these parameters? Um, another thing to think about is this debate in Australia that we have constantly, I see, between practitioners of are we allied health or are we not allied health? So the board, the CMBA, um, has said that we are allied health. I've seen that on documents that they've sent out. But yet, if you go to other allied health websites, we're not included within allied health. So, I mean, let's look at the definition of allied health. Google it. It says allied health is a term used to describe the broad range of health practitioners who are not doctors or nurses. Um, allied health professionals work aim to prevent, diagnose, and treat a range of conditions and illnesses and often work within a multidisciplinary health team to provide the best patient outcomes. Well, we fit into that, yes. Um, but um, Allied Health Professionals Australia, we're not on, we're not listed with them, um, and they are kind of like a, a, a joint professional group that does advocacy and stands up for um, the uh, like represents a group of health practitioners. So they say that there's 195,000 allied health professionals um, in Australia and um, that then they do admit that there's no universally accepted definition of allied health. Um, it does say it's then they're health professionals that are not medical, dental, or nursing, um, and then they have some other defined roles there. But in general, most people would say allied health follows Western medicine philosophy, and we would generally say, well, Chinese medicine is its own philosophy, its own 
not just philosophy as in, because uh, you could say, you know, different psycho- psychologists have different philosophy, but it's a different understanding of the mechanisms of the body, of how the body works, how the body functions. That's what Chinese medicine has. And you can view things from a Western medicine's perspective. So let's say acupuncture. You could say, well, how does acupuncture work? You could certainly look at that from a Western medicine perspective. And you can practice acupuncture from a Western medicine perspective, just as you can practice herbs from a Western medicine perspective. So that would be like utilizing knowledge that's come, you know, in recent times, let's say um, musculoskeletal knowledge um, for back pain and um, utilizing very similar to dry needling, let's say. Um, Does an acupuncturist employ those techniques? Yes, they do. But fundamentally, if they're practicing acupuncture, it's not just simply looking at the body from a Western medicine perspective. We don't ignore Western medicine, and I think I made that clear in that first episode of this, but I'm not saying it's reckless to, because it would be reckless to just completely ignore it, but to fully, truly practice Chinese medicine, you are not really thinking about the body in a Western medicine sense. You're thinking about it in a Chinese medicine sense. Um, it's a difference between, like, a, you know, let's say knowing a herb has antibacterial properties and knowing a patient has a bacterial infection and thinking, oh, we're going to use this herb. Like Huang Lian's got antibacterial properties, so we'll use it for them to treat this bacterial infection that's not a chinese medicine way actually that's a western medicine way um you know you you do have practices which are holistic and they're aligned with western medicine so i think naturopathy would probably fit into it more than chinese medicine and so it's kind of bizarre to me that in a one way bizarre to me that naturopathy is not registered with APRA and Chinese medicine is because the philosophy of naturopathy is much more aligned with Western medicine, Western way of thinking, but naturopathy is not dangerous to people in untrained hands as acupuncture is. So like it's, you know, you can cause a lot more danger to people where you to stick needles in people willy nilly and not being properly trained. <laughs> not that that stopped APRA from stopping trinedalers, which is another whole thing. But the argument is, and the, the um, reasoning is for registration is primarily, it has to be seen as if it's practiced willy-nilly or unregulated, it would endanger the public more than the regulation would put a stop to people's livelihoods and businesses. So that's the kind of conundrum, the thing that they weigh up. and all through my early practice of Chinese medicine, like before registration happened, all we all we wanted was registration. People were thinking, oh, it was like the golden sunshine at the end of the rainbow, you know, the little the carrot that everyone was chasing, thinking, oh, registration is going to be great. It's going to be, um, you know, so good for our profession. But it, to be honest, I don't think it has been that great for our profession. Like, I haven't personally experienced any benefit from it as a as a practitioner um, and I haven't experienced any benefit to my there's been no benefit to my patients 
in how it's played out in Australia. And that's primarily because it's protection of title, not protection of practice. So one thing is we can't stop people practicing it um, willy-nilly, <laughs> which is what you would think that you would be wanting to do. But they can't stop those people from practicing dry needling that have very little qualifications. Some people have lots of qualifications and they do dry needling. And some people have very little. So anyway, this second half of the episode was meant to be just a wake-up call for people um, to say, hey, uh, are we going to tolerate this long-term? Like, where, where does this go? To think about it. Um, I think we need to... I think we need to think about it as a profession. Um, do we want to be judged by Western medicine? Um, and you know, if we, if we, can we, can we just not agree to that? Um, can we? How can we not agree to that? I don't know. Um, so I guess I'm just making this thing to have a discussion about it because it's a concern to me that there's no acknowledgement um, within. You know, for for our for our system, and I'm sure that there's other professions in opera that are probably equally as despondent or disillusioned. Let's say, you know, there'd be other systems of medicine, other ways of thinking, uh, in some opera regulated professions that would say, well, we can help um, help people's immune system, um, and you know, like there's no acknowledgement for those people in that in that letter, basically saying, hey, the only treatment, the only way out of this COVID-19 situation is the vaccine. That's what that letter was saying. And, you know, any people that kind of mention anything otherwise, are, you know, seen as like, <laughs> like um, I don't know, it just got the, it just, you know, don't, it was just like saying basically toe the line or or else kind of thing um so yeah i'm sure there's other professions that are maybe disillusioned about that too um and i'm not saying any professions are claiming they can treat COVID 19 like chinese medicine can't make that claim just as i don't make that claim to treat any condition but i think certainly our way of life let's say our way of medicine shouldn't be dismissed. Let's just put it like that. Our way of medicine shouldn't be dismissed and saying, well, this is the only way. There are other ways. And, you know, it's one thing for you to say, you have, you, you know, you should promote that to your patients. And it's another thing to say you should have that treatment yourself. Because, I mean, as a practitioner of Chinese medicine, I've never had the need to have a flu vaccine even. Like, I haven't had any vaccinations since my childhood vaccination. So there's this idea in Chinese medicine that everything you take in requires energy to digest it, right? So everything you, like, food that you eat, um, you know, toxins that you are around, all that sort of stuff. So this idea of longevity is about preserving your energy. And so, yeah, I, I, I totally understand, like, risk and reward, like, you know, were you to go to a, a place where there was you know, some kind of other detrimental pathogen, very virulent there, you know, people have to make up their minds based on their own body's um, ability to cope with those things. Um, so, yeah, not this is not an 
anti-vaccination message. It's just more of a message of, hey, there's there's many systems of medicine and you can't just blanketly say, well, there's only one system of medicine and that's it. Because that's what that letter was saying. It's like saying there's only one system of medicine. I'm like, hey, well, the only reason we're registered is because we practice a different system of medicine because we practice a particular system of medicine. Like, what about acknowledging that? What about allowing for that? Um, it's kind of discriminatory, actually, to kind of put that on you and say, well, now you have to switch. You have to change boats halfway through. It's like, oh, do we? Like, <laughs> anyway, that's what this episode's about. Um, I hope it's in context. Um, you know, this is that's why I have these longer discussions. So we can kind of have this information out there and just discuss it. Um, and, you know, I fully support people's ability and, um, like, your ability to make a decision and your, um, your, your right to make your own decision. I just fully support that. Like, I don't like to influence people um, in a particular way um, unless they're my patient and they've asked for my advice and I'll give them my, give them my opinion based on my um, assessment of their body. But I'd only advise people in a Chinese medicine capacity i would never advise people on a western medicine capacity so i mean that's another issue that kind of popped up to me about that letter was like they're asking you to have a particular opinion about something that i've never had a particular opinion about to my patients like i don't advise my patients whether they should have um you know western medicine interventions because i'm not a western medicine doctor i'm a chinese medicine doctor like how can you advise on something you don't know fully about it's not your it's not my area so i hope this episode's been a little bit interesting <laughs> useful and helpful to you and if it has you can leave a comment you can leave a like or um share the share the podcast if you go onto google or apple Podcasts and leave us a review that really helps um and uh thank you so much for your support of the um the podcast so yeah to summarize um i think we just need to be aware as a profession um, where it's going and if you're in another country and you're a practitioner or a student listening to this um, be aware that you know as legislation changes um, what are they using to evaluate you and you know I are we are we just slowly letting our system be eroded that's that was the that's the concern that I have like um, and I've had this concern for years I would say just over the over the last year it's become more and more evident but um yeah i think we just need to be aware of it and um yeah do what we can and uh yeah putting this out there today was what i can do to start the discussion up and uh and hopefully um help in some way so have a great day and i'll see you again or hear you you'll hear me